This podcast is sponsored by Mysis. Mysis is at the forefront of the financial software industry, providing the broadest portfolio of banking, capital markets, investment management, and risk solutions available on the market. With more than 2,000 customers in 130 countries, Mysis's team of domain experts, combined with the partner ecosystem, have an unparalleled ability to address industry requirements at both global and local level. To learn more about how the Mysis Fusion software portfolio, including Fusion Capital and Fusion Risk, can deliver a holistic view of your operations and help you to solve your most complex challenges, you can visit www.mysis.com. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. We are six months into 2015 already and regulation, unsurprisingly, continues to be a major theme. In this DerivSource podcast, we speak to Alex McDonald, CEO of the Wholesale Market Brokers Association or WMBA, who provides an update on the first half of 2015 in terms of the issues that have really dominated this year. Alex also offers his view as to what is likely to be the focus for the next six months. And specifically in this interview, we really talked about the changing interdealer model, the new FX benchmarks being debated, and of course, the continuing lack of harmonization between the U.S. and Europe over swaps legislation. Here is DriveSource reporter Lynn Strong and Dodds speaking to Alex McDonald from the WMBA. Hi, this is Lynn Strong and Dodds. I'm reporting for DerivSource. We're here with Alex McDonald, CEO of the Wholesale Market Brokers Association, talking about the first half of this year. Thank you for joining us. The first question is, I read that you said capital and liquidity will be the major issues this year as they were in the preceding years. Has this been the case so far in 2015? And how have these issues developed since the start of this year? Maybe that's a, an easy answer because capital and liquidity are always the big issues. But in 2015 so far, they have indeed come to the fore, perhaps more than we, we would have thought. Liquidity at the start of January showed a very rare test event in the SNB, removing the floor to the Euro-Swiss market and, and having a, a remarkable bout of volatility and illiquidity in, in that market. And that has proved the precursor to a very volatile period in fixed income. And then what we've seen is a, a correlation of asset volatility in the period since then, with bond markets initially being highly volatile, with yields going negative down the curve, and then, and then reversing and rebounding, and, and the market seemingly reaching out for liquidity and issues of price information that aren't there that have led to self-correlation or self-extending events much further than perhaps models would have predicted. So yes, capital and liquidity have been, have been to the fore. The only good thing we could say about this year so far is that issues around operational risk and key solvency have not come to the fore, which was indeed what we predicted. And we don't think that they, that they will do this year why is that important to us as, as a group of IDBs running venues? Well, that's because trying to react to the 
the various rulemakings and the impact of the rulemakings, both in terms of presenting liquidity in new venues under Dodd-Frank and under the EU rules, plus the impact of the participants on those venues from particularly Basel ratios in the capital end and the liquidity coverage end, has meant that the market has been desperately looking for access to price information, access to prices, liquidity pools that are homogenized around the globe rather than segmented, and desperately looking to avoid the dislocations of liquidity where these market moves have proven unmanageable. So for us, we have used these as, as, as test cases to, to the regulators to say, be careful what you wish for in turning liquidity into a very non-latent electronic product because at the end of the day people tend to restrict their offering of liquidity far more the more that you formalize the venues. Just wondering why operational risk and key solvency did not come to the fore as you expected. I think at the moment partly the market has been too occupied by by prices and markets partly because the political and solvency backdrop has been there. We have been through the mill somewhat in previous years that the banks have said there will be money, that the amount of capital in, in, in the industry has been raised in, in what the regulators call regulatory repair in terms of lowering the key leverage ratios within the financial sector. The next question deals with the role of the interdealer. How has it changed over the past few years? And how do you see it evolving this year and beyond? Yes, the WMBA represents the IDB industry. The IDBs are, are evidently global in, in their reach and more particularly their clients uh, are very global. So their role is presenting and arranging global liquidity. How has that changed and undergoing more change? The first thing to say is it needs to change as its client base changes. And there is a, a distinct move within the banking industry away from acting as principal to acting as, as agent and wanting to access platforms. So the role of the IDB has been evolving to go from an arranger or introducer who effectively charges a fee for finding liquidity and presenting counterparties together to becoming a venue. This has been exacerbated or further enhanced by the regulations where CEFs, um, NTFs and, and, and the future OTFs are execution venues such that the role of the IDB is now as a, an execution venue that is the owner of the execution as opposed to simply arranging the trade, passing the names and letting the, and letting the, the two counterparties act bilaterally in a classic OTC manner. So this is the transition of OTC business into regulated venues or organized venues, either CEFs or the MIFID EU equivalents, or under various conduct requirements that, that are coming in in the, Asian, in the Asian countries, even if they're not putting formal venue regulations into place. With that, the obligations of a venue, therefore, come in terms of reporting, in terms of conduct, in terms of the business and the connectivity to the post-trade infrastructures and the, the straight-through processing to either CCPs, to CSDs, to um, other trade reporting requirements. And so the role of the IDB has very much turned into a deepening in terms of the financial system. The next question deals with regulation, looking at EMIR and MIFID, the impact it will have on the markets this year as market participants prepare for compliance and any unintended consequences of these new regulations. 
That's a deep question. Obviously, in Europe, our focus has been on EMEA and MIFID and its counterpart in the energy space, Remit, which deals with the power and gas markets, and therefore the concomitant effects on those markets from the capital regulations, such as the the transposition of the Basel requirements in the CRR and other capital implications on cleared business in the EU. The impact so far, I would say, has been very little in actuality, but maybe it's a little bit like a duck. The teeth of EMEA from the market infrastructure perspective, because the infrastructures don't have the reporting requirements, are yet to bite with the clearing requirements. And MIFID, of course, is due to come into effect at the uh, start of 2017. So the impact so far has been little in actuality, but very big in terms of preparation, in terms of lobbying, in terms of firms reorganizing themselves to cope with being platforms with a general trend, as I say, from acting as principal to agent, and therefore passing through client transactions onto exchanges. Perhaps one of the big impacts has been locational with clients, understanding where they want to do business and what regime, and therefore asking the the regulators for a more clarified substitute compliance or deference regime so so that everybody can understand what businesses they want to offer where. Now, particularly for IDBs who have one set of products from the same client base trading on on CEFs and one set of products looking to trade under EU regulations and a further set of products which maybe are more global and more Asian, which are not going to be appropriate to to EU regulations or CEF regulations because the counterparties by and large not domiciled in either of those two areas. So there has been an awful lot of reorganisation of location of reporting and data capabilities, which has led to a long debate about how you identify for us products in particular, but for the market, how you identify legal entities and how you identify transactions and you're able to report those. So this world of big data identification and reporting and where that is happening under location and and the jurisdictions that is happening has been, if you like, the duck waggling its, its, its flippers on the surface so far, the, the actual impact has been, I would say, minimal. The lack of harmonization topped the agenda at the ISDA conference in Canada. Do you think progress is being made on that front between the US and Europe? What changes would you like to see take place? Again, my answer there is twofold. In the outturn, there is still very little harmonization going on, as we found out last week when Tim Massad was in Europe, predominantly discussing the CCP recognition issue. But in actuality, underneath the surface, of course, there's a huge change that's happened, a wholesale change of staff with the commissioners at the CFTC has led to a completely different attitude towards deference, substituted compliance and cross-border recognition as a whole. That attitude has been replicated in the EU and in Europe and will probably be done more so in the summer of this year in July when, when a similar wholesale change of staff takes place in the European Commission. We will find two sets of, of regulatory implementing staff either side of the Atlantic who have an agenda tied into the revised G20 global growth agenda. And in Europe, that is quite stark with the 
strong focus from the European Commission and the, the financial piece, DG FISMA, on capital markets union. So we are going to have a focus on conciliation, on deference, and on getting the global liquidity pool together again, because the costs of global liquidity under the Basel implementation, under the higher liquidity requirements as well as capital, will put a lot of emphasis on making that liquidity pool work as well as it can. And that move, that, that mind shift has now happened. It's a question of making it happen. So again, whilst little has happened so far, the essential and necessary requirements of the will of, of our legislators and regulators has now moved. So it's a question of that unfolding. And I paraphrase Scott O'Malley's comments that, that he expects that by Q3, we'll start to get CCP, deference and recognition. And from there, what's important to the WNBA members is that there is trading venue deference such that liquidity pools are the same in different regimes and that we get the easiest access to pricing and risk transfer from market participants that we can get around the world in, in the wholesale markets, which are essentially global. So they don't particularly mean themselves to regional regulation to a, a whole set of global counterparties. The last question deals with the major challenges and opportunities that you see for your members as the year unfolds. Are there any other issues that we haven't touched upon that the WMBA is focused on for 2015? And also looking at the debate needed over the benchmarks of Sonia and Ronia. At this point in time, all of the, all of the key trade associations are focused on capital markets union because the underlying message of CMU is less sand in the wheels, more liquidity, better markets. And if some of the focus of the regulations before CMU, particularly in the EU, MIFIA, EMEA, and other regulations such as securities financing transactions and short selling have been to put sand in the wheels of what was considered an over speculative market and a financial system, particularly a banking system that had too much leverage. That is considered to be repaired, quoting the governor of the Bank of England even today and yesterday, that that regulatory repair has happened, i.e. the leverage has shrunk. So the focus now is on removing sand in the wheels and providing simpler, easier access to all market participants to financial services. So this is why the CMU lens has become so important for the city. Clearly, as 2015 unfolds for us beyond that, we have two particular issues or even three particular issues. One is the conduct and effectiveness of regulation from FEMA. We're going to see in June of this year a major output from the, the FEMA task force who sit within the Bank of England but are actually reporting to all of the, the key agencies in the UK as to how markets can become fair and effective. And this, of course, sounds a little bit like CMU as well. So the, the strong focus for this year is going to be on making markets work for everybody. And that's conduct as well as capital. The other two key issues for us this year are going to be, firstly, the evolution of benchmark regulation. In the UK, that's the imposition of the specified benchmarks into law and the way that can be brought to, to an effective regime. Whilst in the EU, we are going to get the benchmark regulation moving into trialogue in early summer, 
and then through the remainder of this year. And again, we implore the regulators to understand that for traded markets as benchmarks, there is a precise trade-off between trying to double legislate how the markets operate versus legislating the benchmark numbers um, and the usage of those numbers that come out of those markets, that traded markets are very different to LIBOR-type estimations and mark-to-markets, which is essentially a conduct piece. The last area that I would focus on for, for this year is the relationship of the UK to the EU, in that the UK evidently is a domicile of the lion's share of wholesale markets in, in Europe and perhaps globally. The relationship of the UK to the EU since we've had the election in the UK will be paramount to the way that the locational issues for markets in the city evolve. Clearly, there are other factors, particularly the way that the capital and liquidity requirements get brought to bear on the firms and the substituted compliance issues between the UK and the rest of the world. But the UK is the, if you like, the, the wholesale free port into the EU will be first and foremost a consideration for firms in UK as the referendum that we will likely see in 2017 approaches. It sounds like you're going to have your hands full. I'd like to thank you very much for your thoughts this morning. Thank you for listening to this DerivSource podcast. If you would like more information on this topic, including the full transcript, please go to our podcast notes page available on DerivSource.com or via our app. Thank you for listening. Join us next time. 